Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. This is Syracuse football post game. It's presented by Krause Health. Find a career you'll love at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics. My name is Brent Dax. Joining me is Emily Liker, Syracuse.com. And joining us is you. If you are watching live on Facebook, if you're watching live on YouTube, if you're watching live on Twitter, uh, your comments are welcome throughout. If you're watching us or listening sometime in the future, we do appreciate that. This is available to you in podcast form, uh, just like Syracuse Sports. So make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And we've got a lot to go over here, Emily. This was um, a very interesting game at the uh, JMA Wireless Dome. Syracuse losing its first of the season to Clemson. 31-14. I think some certain topics are going to take prevalence from the fans. I think you and I have a couple of things to add to what they're going to say and our perspective on this, but Syracuse does lose, and I want to go to something that Emily said beforehand about what this game was going to come down to, and those three things were what, Emily? Um, I, I had said this game was going to come down to third downs, defense, and quarterback play. And you know what? For the most part, it did. I did just check the third down conversion percentages. And Syracuse, I think, finished slightly above Clemson. But Clemson also had to take fewer um, third down attempts just because they were moving the ball better. And got several of those third down attempts handed to them by Syracuse. So, um yeah, I mean, as for the other two things, I think we knew coming into this that Clemson's defensive line was going to give Syracuse a challenge, and it certainly did. I think Syracuse's secondary gave Cade Klubnik a little bit of a challenge, but could never fully capitalize on some of the things they were doing. We saw quite a few interceptions bounce out of people's hands, including yeah. I think one of the most notable ones was that Marlowe one kind of in the red zone that probably would have ended up as a pick six. And then obviously the the – the quarterback play was just not great on Syracuse's side today. And like to Garrett's credit, he took full responsibility for it post game. He was like, I did not play well. I think my take that might be a little bit of a hot take is that he's the only one that played definitively poorly. Like I, like there were mistakes, but like it seemed from some of the like fan response, people are like, this team was, looked horrible, like stuff like that. And I, that's not the impression I got. Like the defense still had its moments, just wasn't capitalizing the way it should, that type of thing. Um, Schrader was the only one that I felt like had a definitively like worse game and was like, this is the worst we've seen Schrader this season. Well, and, and he, he owned up to it. He said he did own up to it. He said he was fine. And Paul notes it here in a comment, Emily. Schrader took a shot on the first possession fumble gutsy but never the same after that Dabo said he was the one guy they had to stop and they did that by laying the wood early and I think that's well said by Paul we talked in the press box you Chris Carlson and I Chris and I were saying he's going to get happy feet after that that's exactly what happened we knew this was going to be a matchup that overwhelmed the Syracuse offensive line Schrader's mobility would be put to the test Clemson just does not let you run the football and Syracuse is a running quarterback they stopped that but Paul hit on something, Emily, that has a lot of fans talking after the game, and we will certainly get to it. Not only that play, which was reviewed for targeting and overturned. Initially, it was a targeting, and then it was overturned. It could have gone either way. If you're asking me what I think it should have been, I think it easily could have been targeting because helmet-to-helmet contact was made on that play. The officiating in this game, look, I'm not going to say 
that the refs are rigging it for Clemson, but I am going to say they're not doing a lot to dispel that notion. And if you really want to get conspiracy theory and dive down that, that rabbit hole, Emily, Jim Phillips was in the building on Saturday. (laughs) All right. So if you really want to throw some conspiracy theories at me, I'm willing to listen to them. Here's the thing though. Penalties aside, there were some we've got to talk about decision-making a big one by Dino that we've got to discuss. And frankly, Syracuse just had too many self-inflicted wounds in this game, as you kind of noted there, started to get into, particularly on offense. And I want this said at the beginning, the defense did their job. The defense played great. And I know that sounds weird considering they gave up 31 points. And you mentioned the third downs that Clay Klubnik was very successful on. Look, that kid throws on the run. Syracuse did its job. They put pressure on him. You said it, though. Marlowe's almost pick six. A couple other interceptions that bounced off their hands. Marlowe Wax had, look, was it a weak call on the sideline and two years in a row, sideline penalties become a prevalent storyline in this game? Yeah, it was weak, but don't give the ref any reason to throw that flag. Walk away mm-hmm. from that situation. So, Emily, it just felt like time after time, Syracuse had more self-inflicted wounds than things that affected them that I think people want to lean on in frustration like the officials or some other things. Not saying that the refs weren't a factor, but at the end of the day, Syracuse lost this game. Yeah, you know, at least two, if not three, of Clemson's touchdowns, they were given the ball deep within SU's territory, whether that be by the bobble fumble that LaQuinn Allen had at the beginning of the game or Garrett's interception there at the end of the game, like they were given very good field position. And so like, there's only so much the defense can do when they're trying, they're like backed up to the end zone already when the drive starts and they're going against big guys and NFL caliber guys and stuff like that. So sure. yeah, there was just so many mistakes. You mentioned the, the Marlo wax situation on the sideline, which he got asked about, but he didn't really say anything of substance on. Um, I didn't he got asked see what it. the ref explained to him, and he yeah, know, he's, the ref didn't explain anything. He made the and call, he didn't so. yeah, and he he was like, I just turned around. I didn't see it very well, and I haven't like gone back and looked at the replay yet. So I don't know, but that pointed into like a, a bigger trend that was an issue in the game, where like there were several third downs for Clemson that penalties, 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 which is always a problem for Syracuse, like it kept the drive alive. And, and on that one, Marlowe got saved because they had a fourth down stop down at the end zone. Um, and I don't think any points came off that drive, but there, there was some bad ones where it was like, they should have killed that drive right then and there. And then they just let them keep going. And Ron brings up a good point here, Emily, when he says, we all want to be Clemson, but what does the team do the last eight games? Do they stay together and play their butts off or do they crash and burn? They can still get to eight or nine wins which is a great point to bring up, Ron, when you take a step forward here, because you got North Carolina next week and one of the best players in the country in Drake May. Same description at Florida State, this Florida State team that beat Clemson last week. Two games on the road, two of the top teams in the league, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. So there's no rest for the weary here. You can't let this one get you down. But the big thing was, Emily, this was your home game. There was, air quotes, only 40,000 people there. But the crowd was into it. They were loud. That place was deafening when it needed to be. The crowd did their job. And this is the team that's got you. And Syracuse has given Clemson all sorts of trouble in recent years. But bottom line is, they're now, they have 10 losses. 
to Clemson in ACC play. Dino Babers is one and seven against Clemson in ACC play. The woulda, coulda, shouldas, this was the opportunity to just erase all that and get the win on the board. Okay. I can't go too far down the road before bringing this up. You know where I'm going, Emily, because I do, I do know where you're going. <laughs> Emily is my witness. I was flipping in the press box about this in the moment. And Doug, here it is. That 57 yard field goal. So we're talking about three and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. Syracuse is trailing 14, seven. They're driving. Okay. But three air, I don't air balls, not the right term, but three long passes by Schrader come up short. Dino Baber sends Brady Denenberg out there to kick a 57-yard field goal. I'm sorry, you don't do that. And Dino defended it afterwards, saying he's seen Denenberg hit from over 60. He said he's going to set the school record for a field goal kicker. Defended his kicker in the way that you would expect a coach to do it. But I'm sorry, you don't kick that field goal. Here's the order, okay? One, you pooch punt that thing. You pin Clemson back, and you make him earn it. Two, Denneberg was a quarterback in high school. This is Clemson. This is a huge game. National television audience, roll the dice, get spicy, and fake the field goal. And a very distant third is you kick a 57-yard field goal. It was short. Clemson gets the ball. They score. It's 21-7. And remember, they've got the ball coming out of halftime. Now, Syracuse's defense did a good job on that first possession, Caleb Okachuku, who had a fantastic game, by the way, for Syracuse's defense, shuts down Will Shipley. It's 24-7. But you just gave away points there. And, Emily, you cannot defend that decision. In my opinion, there's there's just no logical way. In that moment, if Brady Denneberg sets the school record, which, by the way, is 58 yards by Dave Jacobs, as our friend Chris Carlson wrote about and looked up, good for him. In that moment, you don't kick that field goal. I'm sorry. You just don't do it. Yeah, and I, I would even throw in that there's there's another option to the two you put out there. And I don't know that I necessarily like agree on, on the order, but um, I think the other option is you're in like Clemson territory. Keep the offense out there. If you're if you're choosing between kicking a long field goal where the result is probably just gonna be a turnover on downs anyway, or like keeping the offense out there and risking a turnover on downs like like that should have also been an option to like okay maybe we hand it off to LaQuinn and he either picks up five more yards and pushes them five more yards back for the next drive or breaks away and gets the touchdown Great point. Like it just it just Great didn't point. feel like that was the move <laughs> the move there by any means they had timeouts on the clock they could have used like to, if they wanted to talk through it a little more um yeah it it was just a, a dicey scenario and and i think there were much better ways to handle it um didn't like it yeah dave tash <laughs> didn't like it either by the way who was calling the game for abc welcome back dave former voice of the orange called his first football game at the dome since 2001 which i was really surprised uh to hear so i didn't like that let's go over some other what it could have should as emily damian alford may or may not have made a catch on the sideline now i don't think that's as huge of a deal. It was iffy. Maybe he bobbled it. If they reviewed it, I don't know if they get it based on, you know, especially these officials, you can't trust them. So there was that. There was a throw that Kate Klubnik made, and it did. It's right on the line 
of whether it was a backwards pass or not. And remember, early in the game, Syracuse is down 14 nothing because Schrader fumbled on what should have been a targeting. And then on a backwards pass, LaQuinn Allen fumbles. Clemson takes advantage. They're up 14 nothing before you know, you're taking your first sip of dome foam watching this game. Emily, I've seen a replay. And you're talking to a Buffalo Bills fan here that remembers the Titans-Bills playoff game, home run, backwards pass. So I'm very sensitive to the subject. I don't know if they would have got the call on that. It was very, very close. Have you seen it? And, and what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think they would have either. I was just a little surprised it wasn't reviewed seemingly at all. Um, I don't think it would have gone in their favor. And ultimately, like, that them not getting that there didn't really have an impact because then it went, it was obviously a third down. So then it forced the punt anyway, um, just by being a, a hit, a sack on Klubnik. So I don't think that's as like big, like if they, if they had scored there, yes, certainly it's a game changer, but I don't think the fact that it wasn't called that way is a game changer because I just don't think they would have won that call. And um, kind of to the point, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, is that reviewable? Did, did people, re- did Dino think about reviewing that? And I did ask, post game because when that happened every everyone on the Q sideline including Dino was like touchdown that's a touchdown yeah. I think it was I think it was Thompson that returned it um and I asked Dino that was like the last question of the post con- the post game press conference that we got in was like did you consider overturning anything specifically that or oh, like trying to overturn anything reviewing anything specifically that play and he was like well I always talk to the refs and if they, if they've already looked at it, there's not a point in like asking them to look at it again, which, which I understand. Like if they've yeah. already taken a look at the film it is probably a very low chance that they are going to overturn it. So like, I get that. Is it maybe still worth a shot? Yes. Maybe in some scenarios, but I don't think in that one. On a positive note, as I see Joe jump in here and say, our receivers are not very good too many drops and too inconsistent. I think you did feel Aronde Gadsden's absence in this game. We mentioned the struggles that Schrader had. He's under duress the whole game, and Schrader can throw on the run. That's that's an advantage when you have a quarterback like that. But Schrader got sacked five times. He got hurried a bunch. He was, I think, hurting after that first play. He said he was fine, but I think it, it, it shook him up at the very least mentally, right? Positive, though, Emily. There's somebody that I know for a very long time, has said that Syracuse football needs to throw the ball to the darn tight end. And that person is me. Yeah. And you nailed this. When we were doing our 53-man roster pod way back uh, at the beginning of the season, and we said, who would be on a hypothetical 53-man roster like they do in the National Football League? Emily said, you got to have Dan Valari on that roster because he's a quarterback, and if you're going to gadget it up, he's the guy. Well, they ran a couple of gadget plays with Dan Villari, and Donovan Brown dropped one. He was on an island, and he dropped it. But what I was impressed with, Emily, was Villari, if I could do my Chris Berman impression, gets the ball. He's going, just knocking people over. What did he have in this game? Let me go back and double-check his his yardage here while we're talking. He might have have led in receiving. Two catches, 65 yards. Yeah. Right? See what happens when you throw the darn tight end? Good mm-hmm. things happen. And don't tell me that Aronda Gatson's a tight end because he's not. I know Dan yeah. Valari's a converted quarterback if you want to really, you know, nitpick. But 
can we see more of that, please, Jason Beck? You know, that was that was the type of like a creative quote unquote trick play that like, or I think Dino calls them special plays is what he calls them special that we've been waiting, waiting to see. And like, there are still a couple that we've seen in practice or, or heard of from players that we definitely have not seen. Um, but yeah, it was like, they were like hiding Dan Villari from us. And then like that singular drive, it was like, why has this kid not been getting the ball more? I mean, that first like uh, reception he had at the sideline, like, was reminiscent of when like Gronk shook off like three Washington commanders guys. <laughs> like it was like the same type of play. Um, now Dino did note that, that Dan has had an injury, um, like had an injury in the spring that limited him and then had something in the fall, either the same injury or, or something slightly different. Um, and he, he was being looked at post game um, for something. So that's important to know, but I mean, it certainly worked. Now, the thing with doing something like that is now everyone has film on it. Sure. But, like, you got to try it again. Like, he he might be the best thing they have at tight end right now. He probably is the best thing they have at tight end right now. And they need to use that. And they're down Gadsden, as we know. They're down Isaiah Jones, who was not out there again today. And they were down Trevor Pena, who, unfortunately, yeah. was out again. He came back last week against Army, got hurt on the sideline. Dino saying in postgame it basically re-aggravated the same injury, which is about as detailed as Dino gets on injuries. Even admitting that, I, I thought, was a very good question there to, to get him to admit that. You're down three receivers, including a guy who's going to be playing on Sundays in the future. So you have to pull out all the stops. So I will give Syracuse credit in that. Now, Velarde got a false start later, and I, I think Joe noted it here in the comments, and then we never heard from the guy again. But... Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's on film. Football coaches overthink these things. You know who else is on film? Like everybody. You're great players. Like it's just <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Garrett Trader's got a lot of film, but he still makes yeah. plays. And LaQuint Allen and, and go down the list here. Like I did think you you had to try and outsmart Clemson a little bit, throw him off balance. And they did do that, but they didn't run the trick play I really wanted him, which was the fake field goal. And you know, I'll get over that someday and the very very, very distant future, but uh, I don't know. That, yeah. that one just sticks in my craw. But I, I I think Jason Beck, I'll say this. You said it earlier, Emily. I'm not trying to pick on Garrett, but if you're asking me to evaluate his performance, I he, and he said it himself, so I'm not telling tales out of school here. It's on him. I, I think there were some play-calling things you can, you can uh, have a bone to pick with. We mentioned the three long passes before, the not fake field goal, but for the mm-hmm. most part, this was execution. It was not game plan. Yeah, like there there wasn't anything. And again, like is Clemson worse than it has been in recent memory? Yes, but it is still a team stock full of NFL caliber players whereas like this year's Syracuse roster isn't as much as it has been in in past years. Like they have they have a lot of younger guys this year which Dino noted um and it it's tough going up against Clemson. <laughs> like that type of stuff happens. And again, like it's it's more inexcusable with Garrett because he is a veteran and that was his third time playing Clemson. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think it will be okay. Like I don't think this is gonna set them into the same spiral that last year's Clemson lost did. Like for the most part, it seems like people came out of the game healthy. Now they are already down a few more pieces, like we just said, than they would like to be. But Garrett said he was feeling fine, which was certainly not the case when he came out of last year's Clemson game. Oh no! Um, and and that and that is like a win for them. Like they, 
if they can get through the next two games the the same way, um, then then it, the back half of the season is is going to be fine. This is still a team that can handle Boston College or handle Virginia Tech or handle Georgia Tech, maybe even Georgia Tech's losing to Bowling Green right now. I think. Goodness. Yeah. Rob noted it too. By the way, Emily, we're talking about guys that are out. Kalen Ellis back. Joe Moore back. I mean, look, you're playing Clemson. You could have, you know, you, you brought up the commanders. You could have the old hogs from the 1980s from the Washington football team, and you're still going to get it from Clemson. Jeremiah Trotter, speaking of guys who going to play on Sundays, what an interception he made on Garrett Schrader. I mean, Schrader did put it in his general zip code, but he had to dive and make that play. And Clemson's just got those dudes. So as we start to peek over the horizon here, you brought it up. This team is not as decimated as it was. Maybe emotionally, they, they you know they got to get over the sting. But you got Carolina and Florida State, and by the way, after that, Emily, you go to Virginia Tech on a Thursday night. And I don't care how down air quotes people think Virginia Tech is. Virginia Tech night game, enter Sandman, the whole thing Thursday night. Like those are just intangibles that that can go their way. We're not going to see this football team back in the JMA Wireless Dome until November. November. Right? November 3rd, Boston College, Friday taking, night. Taking off the whole month of October. And you're right, that's a Friday night game. So mm-hmm. those Thursday and Friday night games start to creep in here. So I'm as curious as anybody how they respond to this game because they're not as in dire a situation as they were last year. I think not only emotionally, Emily, I remember talking about it with you and writing about it and just being in the situation. Like You knew that team was really hurting after the yeah. Clemson game last year. And I feel like... They're hurt. They're they're hurting more mentally than physically this time around, which is which is good news. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't even feel like like mentally they are as distraught about the, the whole thing as as I think maybe the fan base is or the fan base would imagine they are. Like they, we talked to Marlo and Garrett and Leon Lowry at at the podium at post game, and and all of them. I mean, obviously, two of those guys are, are captains, and Leon's also pretty veteran, and they were all very level-headed post-game and we're like we are not going to let this shake us the way last year's game did obviously that's that's talk and we'll see how things go next week um but it it did just seem like perception wise like they came out of this game all around better despite it being a worse loss i talked to caleb okachuku afterwards too and he struck the same tone right he was disappointed but he was also encouraged by what the defense did. He was encouraged by already how the team was handling it. He did took accountability for the plays that were left out there. He was really frustrated about the penalties, as was Enrique Cruz, who I talked to. I, when I asked him about the penalties, he just kind of took a long, deep sigh, and he's just like, man, we've got to clean that stuff up. And while there were a few penalties that, you know, Dino was certainly given an opportunity – to uh, get fined by the ACC if you really wanted to. I'll put it to you that way. But you don't get nine penalties because the refs are out to get you. This is a consistent problem with this team. They were the most penalized team in the country last year. They're certainly not at a good pace again this year. So I'll give you three or four questionable DPIs or things that just were, were wacky. You still can't draw that many flags. So what I think we saw today, Emily, was, and I said this before the game, Against a team like Clemson, a lot of the little things you did wrong against Army and Purdue and even Western Michigan to an extent, 
Garrett said it himself after the game. The margin for error is so slim. You commit those mistakes, you're going to lose a game like this, and you're going to lose a mm-hmm. game like this convincingly, and, and that's what we saw happen today. Yeah, no, exactly. And and there's, there's not really much more to it than that. Like, it's just like until – until they get those things cleaned up, however they need to clean them up, like that's just going to keep on being the issue. So I, <laughs> no doubt. That's couple it. things. <laughs> couple. It really, it's really that simple. Couple things before we go. Uh, I mentioned it briefly earlier. Look, shout out to the crowd. Look, I talk about attendance a lot, and it's something I've done every week. By the way, I do this for every home game. People are like, why are you always posting about attendance and picking on Syracuse? I'm like, I'm not picking on him. It's good, bad, or ugly. Here's what the attendance is looking like, because attendance has been a topic of conversation in recent years. It was fascinating how this had as lukewarm a reception for any Clemson game as I've seen. And Yeah, they came in 2-2. Two two. They don't really have the Trevor Lawrence-type star coming in. They're not undefeated. It was homecoming weekend, but... I've always said this. I said it coming into the game, and they proved me right. I don't care about numbers, but the butts that are in the seats just make that a great environment, and they did today. Time after time, I thought the fans were great. The ones that did show up, no matter how much they paid for their tickets or how they got in the building or what the situation was, and maybe they were taking advantage of some of those $3 off domestic beers from 10 a.m. to 11.15 they had at the Dome. They were great. So shout out to the fans that did go they were fantastic, and you know, Emily, it's been you know a couple of years now. Where would you put that at times as, as loud as, as you've heard that, that Carrier Dome? I, uh, I, I said it, the JMA Wireless Dome. <laughs> Think it back mm. to the old days of the Carrier Dome, though. I think, I think probably the NC State game last year was louder. Um, that was sold but out. It, it certainly yeah. – yeah, that was, a, that was a sellout. There was m- many more people in the Dome that game than there was this one. Um, but I mean, they did, there was at least one occasion where there was like a Clemson false start clearly because of how loud it was in there. So they, they pulled their weight, the ones that do show up. So you're right on that front. And a timeout, by the way, that Clemson had to call late in the game because they couldn't, you know, figure their stuff out and a timeout had to be called. But nonetheless, Syracuse is four and one. They will play North Carolina next week. That's a three 30 kick. Uh, Emily and I have been on a little run where we're doing this post-game show live. I believe that'll be the case again next week. We'll let you know if something comes up, and you never know when you're on the road and and weird stuff happens. But at the very least, uh, I I can do it live, even if Emily can't join us for North Carolina. But we'll see how that situation plays out. Subscribe on Spotify, on Apple, on Amazon, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Leave us a voicemail. At 315, I'll put it on the screen here for those of you that are watching, 315-552-1964. That's our voicemail line. I got a, a voicemail at halftime, Emily, today. Can we play and, it? Ah. Uh, Is it worth what? playing? I haven't. I'm going to, I want to hear it. Not that we can't swear on the, on the internet. Oh. <laughs> but I haven't screened it. Mm. But I kind of want to hear it too. <laughs> I hope that everyone that's watching is above the age that they can hear a swear word and not. I'm doing this in lives. real time. I love. I love this. This is. It's. It's. It's like going back to my radio days. We're it's doing, like a good way. To, good way to end time. the show. I think. I'm doing a quick screen. Okay. I don't think there's any naughty language. Okay. And I just gotta. It's gonna take a second to download. Okay. 
I will say this is the most emails I have gotten post game. Um, emails were rolling in as soon as the game ended. So no doubt, uh, no doubt. They they not all of them were very reasonable. A couple of them, I was like, I can understand. There was lots of questions about um, the field goal. There was some <laughs> yes, questions there were. about some questions about whether SU was going to switch quarterbacks, and I don't think that will be the case. <laughs> no. Come on, guys. We're not there yet. Okay, I think we got it here. Stand by. Uh, Bill Dunning in Cortland, 607-753-0440. Don't call Bill, you guys. <laughs> Don't call Bill, you guys. Okay. Watching SU on TV, and they look terrible the first half. Schrader tossing the ball around like a little leaguer, and receivers dropping the ball. How many passes, long ones, did Schrader throw out of bounds? They can't come up with any plays in bounds? Did somebody look at the film and say, oh, we can beat Clemson by throwing 40-yard passes? Maybe you can, but they got to be in bounds at least. Maybe the second half will be better. I hope so. Thank you. That, I read that's to inform you that did not happen, Bill. Thank you yeah, for calling, though. But we do have kind of an answer to that question about why they were going deep because um, I, I think it was Chris that asked the question, at least of Garrett, um, whether the the sa- deep sideline passes were just were like pre-planned, like part of the game plan, or just like Clemson was forcing them outside. And Garrett said it was part of the, the game plan. He's like, some of them were wide. Some of them just didn't go our way. Um, but that was game plan. It was not coincidence that they were going to the outside. We'll, we'll see if they stick with that because it certainly did not work for them this game. So, so thank you, Bill, who has called before. 315-552-1964. We are here for you. Vent anytime, including during the game. We'll play them here on post game. We'll play them on Syracuse Sports as well. Emily, thank you. Great job as always. We'll be uh, reading going forward here and always appreciate your, your time and your insight here. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we will join you next time here on Syracuse Sports and look for all our coverage on Syracuse.com. And we thank our friends at Krause Health for sponsoring our post-game show. Find a career you'll love at Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics. Syracuse loses to Clemson 31-14. We'll talk to you next time, guys.